Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. And that you always have more life and love and light to bring into our lives through it. And for this, we need the help of your Holy Spirit to guide, to comfort, to wake us up, to challenge us. And so we ask for the Spirit's help here this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here at East Chestnut last September, Gordon Oyer, a Mennonite historian, came to talk with us about a new book of his. It's the captivating story of how back in 1964, who was around back then? <laughs> 1964. It was the fall of 64, so I was barely, no, I wasn't even one yet. Back in 1964, in the early 60s, a Trappist monk named Thomas Merton invited 14 leading Christian peacemakers, both Catholic and Protestant, to come to his Kentucky monastery for a special gathering, a special retreat. And among them, by the way, was the Mennonite John Howard Yoder. Martin Luther King had been scheduled to attend, but unfortunately he had to go over Norway to pick up his Nobel Peace Prize. And if you go to see Selma, the movie, you'll see that scene portrayed quite movingly. Now, at first blush, it seems a little odd, maybe a little strange, that this peace gathering would be convened by a monk who had devoted his whole life to prayer. But Merton shows us that true, authentic prayer doesn't lead us to escape our world but rather to engage our world more faithfully, more like Jesus. And in Merton's case, prayer led him to be among the very first Christian leaders way back in the early 60s to begin to speak out, to say a courageous no to the nuclear arms race, to Vietnam, and to racism. But his life of prayer with God also led him into a deeper yes. We can't just say no to things. And Christians have a good reputation in our world of being no people. We have to say yes as well. And his prayer life led him into a deeper yes to the human race. Over our New Year's break, I had the chance to read another time the story of an epiphany that Thomas Merton had all the way back in 1958 while he was making a doctor's visit 
in Louisville, Kentucky. Here's how he tells it in his own words. In Louisville, I was at the corner of 4th and Walnut. At the corner of 4th and Walnut. In the center of a busy, crowded shopping district. And I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people that I was seeing. They were mine, and I was theirs. I realized that we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers. It was like waking up from a dream of separateness. It was like waking up from a dream of separateness. And dear friends, ever since I reread that story over Christmas, I've been imagining you and I as well standing at street corners here in Lancaster. Maybe at Prince or Queen or Duke and Walnut. And experiencing that same vision that since God so infinitely loves every single person we can see in the four directions, so do we. So do we. Imagine each of us as well finally waking up from our dream of separation from God and from each other. And now living out our lives out of this renewed and deepened sense of communion. Imagine. In our gospel reading today, we find ourselves standing with the crowds on the banks of the Jordan River. Sunlight is bouncing off of the water's surfaces into people's faces and into our eyes, dancing all around us. And here we stand on the banks witnessing Jesus' baptism and the inauguration of his ministry here on earth. He leaves his home in Nazareth, and Jesus now begins his mission of liberating and saving the human family. In my office, I love to keep quotes up on my bookshelves and all around my computer monitor, quotes, And one by John Driver, John Driver, a Mennonite missiologist, jumped off the wall at me this past Tuesday. The purpose of the saving work of Christ is the restoration of communion among humanity, alienated from God and from each other. 
the purpose of the saving work of Christ is the restoration of communion among humanity alienated from God and from each other. In Jesus, in other words, God comes to set us free and to draw us back into intimate relationship. It's been said that the whole story of the Bible could be summarized in six simple words. Communion given. Communion lost. Communion restored. As Jesus today comes up gasping and dripping from his baptism, he suddenly sees the heavens torn open and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven announces, You are my Son, the Beloved, and in you I'm mighty pleased. A little paraphrase. Dear friends, what we are witnessing standing on the banks today is a scene of exquisite communion unfolding within the Trinity of God as the Abba blesses, the Spirit descends, and the Son receives. And the wonderful news for us here at East Chestnut this morning is that we're not just meant to stand beside the river as onlookers, as mere witnesses. We are invited to jump in and to participate in this holy divine communion. As Jesus later tells us, As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Wow. We could spend our whole lives reflecting on what that means. And indeed we are. We too are invited to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We too are invited to rise up out of the waters of baptism into new life in Christ. We too are invited to awaken from our sad dream, our nightmare of separateness from God and each other. And we too are invited to hear God assure us us that we are God's beloved children and that we really belong in God's family. So let's stand. Why don't you stand? And turn to those around you and say, You are God's beloved child.
If you remember, we did that last year. And I believe it's something we have to do every year because we forget it. And we need to have to be reminded again and again. On a vacation in Kentucky a few years ago, I dragged my dear wife and daughter on a little detour into the city of Louisville. Guess where I was going? I wanted to go to that corner, to 4th and Walnut. I wanted to have an epiphany. The only problem is it was a little hard to find 4th and Walnut because Walnut has changed into Muhammad Ali Boulevard. (laughs) Remember, Muhammad Ali is from Louisville. Well, we found the corner, and I'm so glad we made the visit. Because, ironically, it was standing at that busy corner that I finally realized that the whole point of Merton's epiphany is that this kind of deep communion with God and one another isn't just available to us in very special places, duh, but anywhere, everywhere. It's available to us even in Lancaster at Queen and Walnut. It's available to us in our workplaces, our schools, our homes, and our neighborhoods. And friends, when God finally manages to wake us up, From our sad dream of separateness, God doesn't just leave us standing on a street corner awash in feelings of love. As Martin Luther King once said, God also finally helps us to see that we are all tied together in a single garment of destiny and connected in an inescapable network of mutuality, communion. So what might this all mean for us here at East Chestnut? Thank you so much for asking. Well, for one... that our well-being is completely tied up in the well-being of our city, of our neighborhood, especially its poor and its vulnerable who are especially precious to God. And in 2015, we want to let our new theme verse, which you'll see printed in the inside cover of your bulletin, Jeremiah 29.7, to help us live more deeply into this reality. We want to find our peace, our shalom in the shalom of Lancaster City, and to pray to God for its children.
its schools. It's communities of faith. It's organizations. It's police. And our mayor. Friends, all the details of my life and your life are going to be quite different. But the shared journey that we are all on is the same toward fuller communion with God and one another. Scripture often speaks of this profound and mystical union. In Galatians 2, Paul says, It is no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. Can you get closer than that? 2 Peter 1.4 says that we are all called to be participants in the divine nature. This mystical union with God is our human vocation and it's our ultimate destiny in eternity. And by our Lord Jesus' lavish grace, he's been so kind to us. He knows we're forgetful. And so he's given us this meal, this simple, holy meal, to help draw us more deeply into this communion and to nourish us for our lifelong journey of awakening and transformation. Thanks be to God. Amen.